Hey, this is Pastor Sam, and thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. I want to start tonight by reading uh, out of the book of Luke, uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. It says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman Empire. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, I love the Christmas story, right? Not the movie. I'm talking about Jesus. I love the whole nativity idea. I love the whole, you know, Jesus coming to earth and being born of Mary and and there's no room in the inn. They got the kids' plays that display it and they got the nativities out in front of the houses and all these different things. I just, I love the Christmas story. I love the concept and the idea of God putting on flesh, right? I love the idea that God became human. It's this concept of Emmanuel, this thought of God with us. And so we've kind of been in this this Advent series. And tonight is kind of the culmination of everything we've been talking about for the past three or four weeks. In John chapter one, verse one, it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And then you fast forward down to verse 14, it says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Guys, this changes everything. This concept changes everything. The idea that God became mankind. The idea that divine becomes human. The creator enters creation. This is like a total, absolute game changer. And like I said, we spent the last three weeks in this Advent series looking at hope and peace and joy. And the final kind of pillar of Advent is this idea and concept of love. And week one, um, Chris shared with us about hope and talked about how we need to be hope people, that we have, need to have a consistent, confident expectation of good because and through our relationship with Jesus. And then Bob talked in week two about peace, and he forwarded this concept of shalom, this idea of making all things right, and the, the, the reconciliation and redemption of all things, and that we should be shalom people, that we shouldn't ask the question, am I doing enough? But we should ask the question, what more can I do in bringing peace to our world and bringing peace to our spheres of influence, to bring peace into our workplaces and our families and everywhere that we go and everything that we are. And then I shared last week about joy. And we talked about how joy, to have joy in the here and now, we have to understand our relationship to God and God's relationship to us. That's how we're able to have this consistent foundation of joy. 
And we said that our relationship to God is trust and dependency. It's taking up a posture of dependency upon God. And then God's relationship to us, you know what it is? It's unconditional love. He loves us more than we can even wrap our heads around. He loves us more than we can even understand or even imagine or draw up or, or write into a, a movie or anything. He loves us more than our brains can even comprehend. And so that's why I'm so excited tonight to talk about love, to share with you guys just for a few minutes about love. I've really, really been looking forward to this because here's the deal. Love is what it's all about. All of it. It's all about love. That's what the whole thing is about. As Christ followers, everything hinges on love. Everything. And when I say everything, I literally mean everything. Everything hinges on love when you profess to follow Jesus. So let's pray together, and then we'll unpack it for a few minutes, okay? Let's pray together. God, I thank you so much for that amazing time of worship. I mean, I just, I thank you for the talented individuals that were on stage that, that come and they show up early and they practice and they prepare so that we can encounter you and then they point all glory and all honor and all praise to you. I thank you for the opportunity we have to do that. I thank you for the opportunity that we have to come together and to just hang out with one another and be in community with each other and build relationships with each other and do life together. I thank you for that freedom and that liberty. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth that you have for us in your word. And I pray that tonight, as we encounter your word and we engage in the text, I pray that everyone in this room would leave this space encouraged, challenged, and changed. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. Awesome. So uh, 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. It should pop up on the screen. It says this, Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into this world that we might live through him. This love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Guys, that's the gospel message right there. That's the whole kitten caboodle. I mean, that's, that's, that's it. That's the whole deal right there. It starts off by saying, love one another. And then he goes into saying, listen, love comes from God. Better yet, God is love. And then he said, God loves us. And then he comes full circle back to, so love one another right? And he talks about two kind of different things here because God exemplified the ultimate love. He talks about two different things here. First, he talks about, he says, sending his son into the world that we might live through him. Guys, that's the Christmas story. That's God sending his son into the world so that we might live through him. Love enters earth. Divine becomes human. Love enters the story. And then he says later in the passage, he says, see, that's the Christmas story. And then he, and then he cites the Easter story. So for those of you who we haven't seen since Easter and we won't see again till Easter, you're getting the whole picture, so it's all good. You know, we're, we're, we're cool with it. You're, you're get, we'd rather you come and we'd rather you hang out with us because we're not weirdo crazy people. We'd like to be your friend, yes, but 
you know, there's no snakes or voodoo or hypnosis or anything crazy like that. We're, we're normal people too, but you know, come hang out with us. We're here every Sunday at 11. Um, <laughs> shameless plug. But then he talks about this atoning sacrifice for our sins, which is the Easter story. God enters the scene at Christmas and then he ascends to heaven and sends his Holy Spirit at Easter. And so it's this whole kind of full story of love that Jesus comes to bring love. And see, when this happens, this is such, the reason that this changes everything is it's this idea that the supreme being would sacrifice for a broken humanity. The creator would sacrifice for the creation. See, when this happens, when Jesus shows up, it changes everything because here's what it does. It abolishes any sort of preconceived ideas that we had about God. Any sort of preconceived conceptions or ideas that was held about God and what God is like was shattered when Jesus shows up so that we might have life through him. And then when Jesus dies and ascends to heaven, it's like it shatters every concept that we previously had because God is divine. God is other. God is bigger. God is badder. God is greater. You know, all these, whatever adjective you want to throw in there, God is other. But then when he comes to earth, it's like, whoa, whoa, wait a second. What's this all about? And this, this cosmic God sacrifices on our behalves. That changes absolutely everything. You see, God is the cosmic source of love. This passage in 1 John says that God is love. Love comes from God. God is love. And so Jesus, when Jesus is born in the manger, when God takes on flesh, when God becomes human, when divine becomes mankind, this love is brought to humanity. This love is brought to humanity. We are now included in this love. This is why it's so earth-shattering and so, so mind-boggling. The incarnation includes humanity in God's great cosmic love. We are now able to accept it. And not only are we able to accept it, we are now able to reflect it as well. Because before this, this wasn't the case. We had to do all these rituals and all these sacrifices and atonement and all these different things to be cool with God. But when Jesus shows up, he says, listen, God is love and God is coming to this earth and I am the embodiment of that love. And so therefore I am sacrificing myself so that now you can experience that love and you can accept that love and you can reflect that love to others. Love one another. It's this mind boggling, catastrophic event that happens. But here's my question. Why is it so often the opposite, right? Why is it so often the opposite? Why is the church not synonymous with love? Why is that? Why is it that following Jesus is not synonymous with love in our current time, in our current culture? Why is it that Christians are not the most loving people on the planet? Is that a little bit of poof? Gut shot, kidney shot on Christmas Eve. But I mean, that's the reality of it. Why are Christians not heralded on the news and heralded in culture and heralded on Facebook and heralded on Google and on Instagram and everything else? Why are Christians not the most loving people in the entire world? Because that's the gospel. That's the message of God. That's the message of Jesus. But why is it that we're falling short? Why is that the case? Why is Christianity oftentimes viewed more judgmental than loving? Because it is. 
And if you don't think it is, get out from the rock that you're living under. Because that's the reality of it. Why is it that Christianity is, Christianity is more often categorized and defined by what we're against than who we're for? Why is that? Because the message of Jesus, that's not his message. That's not the message of God. That's not the message that's in this book right here. That's not the message that Jesus came to this earth for. That's not the Christmas message. Why are we not defined and categorized by love? I say this all the time. The the ministry of Jesus, if you notice, the worse off the people were in the Bible, the more they were attracted to Jesus. Have you ever noticed that? The worse sin that they find themselves in, the worse off, the further they are from God, the more they're attracted to come find Jesus. Is that the case in the church? Let's be real. No, it's not. So why is that? Is it because we don't fully understand the whole concept that God is love and love comes from God and Jesus is the embodiment of that love in humanity? And he says, therefore, love one another? I mean, it seems so simple, but it seems like so many of us, we're missing it. I want to read 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You guys, I, I promise you, you've heard this verse. You've heard this passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 8. If you've been to a wedding, this is the wedding verse, okay? It says this. It says, if I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth that always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Do you see why I say everything hinges on love? Everything. But yet we miss this. Somehow we miss this. It doesn't matter how busy you are in the church. It doesn't matter how much tithes you pay. It doesn't matter how long you've been going to Sunday school or teaching Sunday school. It does not matter if you don't have love, period. Don't get pissed at me. Paul wrote it to the church in Corinthians. He's the dude that said it. Get upset with him. But that's the reality of it. He says it right there. If I speak in tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I sound like a clanging cymbal. You guys know what a clanging cymbal is? It's brutal. First time I taught on this, I brought a cymbal up and I was like banging on it and people were like, stop. Moms were like running out with children in their hands. Like, what is he doing? But that's what it is. You know, it says, it says you know, if you have the gift of prophecy and mysteries and all knowledge and you have faith that can move mountains, oh, wow, that's so great. But you have love, it means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. If love is not at the foundation, if love is not permeating, if love is not covering the whole deal, it means absolutely nothing. If you don't have love, it's just noise and it's meaningless. That's what the scriptures tell us. 
There's this guy named Greg Boyd who wrote this book, Repenting of Religion. And he says this in his book. I was going to paraphrase, but I thought, you know what? I can't, I can't say it better or more clearly than this. He says, Christians sometimes try to assess how they or others are doing on the basis of such things as how successfully they conquer a particular sin or how much prayer and Bible study they do, how regularly they attend and give to church and so forth. But rarely do we honestly ask the question that scripture places at the center of everything. Are we growing in our capacity to love all people? Do we have an increasing love for our sisters and brothers in Christ as well as for those whom Christ died who are, not yet, who are yet outside the church? Are we increasing in our capacity to ascribe unsurpassable worth to people whom society judges to have no worth? How do we measure if we're a good Christ follower? Is it because we're reading the Bible? Is it because we're going to church? Is it because we conquered that sin? Or is it that we're growing in our capacity to love because God is love and love comes from God and it says for us to love one another. That's being a reflection of God. Is that how we're measuring our success? Is that how we're measuring our holiness? Is that how we're measuring our ability to follow Christ? Is it through our potential to love? Is it through our growing and our, and our, and our, our capacity to love all people? and see them as God sees them? Because that person you hate at work, God died for them, just like he died for you. That person you haven't talked to in your family in years, God loves them as much as he loves you. That person that really stinks and you really, really just wanna like pinch them every time you see them, God loves them just as much as he loves you. Are we growing in our capacity to love? Because that's the measure of Christ-likeness. That's the measure are we growing in that? Is that us? Are we people that are defined by love? Is that when, when people think about you, do they think, oh man, that is a loving person. They love out of control. We're chuckling because it's probably not what they think. They probably think, oh, that's a gossiping person. You need to know someone, talk to them. You need to know something, talk to them, right? Or, ooh, that's a judgmental person. Don't tell them you got a tattoo because, ooh, your salvation will be in peril. Or, ooh, that's a strict person. You gotta be careful around them. They know the rules. They wrote the rules and they, they'll uphold them. Or, oh, that's like a hippy-dippy person. You can't even, they're so far out in space, you can't even really talk to them. Right? Or do they think, man, those people, they love. They love like I've never seen somebody love. You have a need, they take care of it, not because of obligation, but because they love you. They don't even have to know you and they love you. It's almost creepy how much they love you. Is that how we're defined? Is that how we're using a measuring stick of how well we're following Jesus? Because chances are probably not, but here's the deal. That's God's design for creation. That's God's design for us. That's God's call. This love that was introduced through a baby in a manger in Bethlehem the Christmas story. And, and, and it's this love that was exemplified all throughout the gospels and all throughout the life of Jesus. It's this love, this love that was made available to us through the death and sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus. This love that encapsulates everything is what it's all about. That's everything. It's all about that. And so tonight is Christmas Eve 
And so it's a time for family and tradition and presents and warm, fuzzy feelings and Christmas carols and hot chocolate and all that. I, I get that. And so I want to encourage you that because Jesus came to this earth, because God sent his son to this earth, this cosmic love of God that's so much bigger than we can even wrap our heads around, this cosmic love is made available through, to us through Jesus. This massive love that comes from God, that is God, is made available to us through Jesus, through the incarnation, through God becoming man. And so maybe you're in here tonight and you've never received Jesus as your savior. And you hear that and you think, oh, how condescending. I don't need a savior. How are you gonna tell me I, need, I think I'm doing all right. I think I'm doing life just fine. But just because you didn't think you needed it, hear me out. We're talking about love on a whole new level that you don't even know you need. It's so massive and it's so life-changing and it's so huge. And so maybe you've never received that love. Maybe you've never accepted this whole cosmic love into your heart and into your life. Maybe that's you tonight. Maybe you're in here and you've been following Christ for a long time. And as I'm talking, you're realizing, wow, I've made a lot of noise along the way. I've been a clanging cymbal for a little while now because I'm lacking in the love department. And yeah, I'm busy at church and I'm busy in Sunday school and I'm involved here and every time the doors are open, I'm there but maybe I'm lacking love and therefore missing the whole point, missing the whole picture. And so maybe that's you tonight. Maybe you're in here and you need to put it into practice. Maybe you've received the love, but you're not so good at reflecting the love. You're like, yeah, Jesus, shower me with love. I love it. No, you made me mad and I'm not forgiving you. Forget about it. Jesus, we're cool, but mm-mm. They did it. They done done it, right? I, mm-mm. And so maybe it's an estranged family member, maybe it's a broken relationship, and maybe at the Christmas time it really brings it up to the surface and you're like, whoa, man, maybe I am called to not only receive the love of God but to reflect the love of God. So maybe you need to accept it, maybe you need to reflect it. But the, the love story, the story of love that began for us at Christmas through, through the incarnation and the story of love that cemented us as participants and beneficiaries of this love at Easter, there's, a, there's, there's an inescapable connection there. And it's the story of God's love for us. And so tonight, I know it's Christmas Eve and everything, but I want to observe communion. Because communion is where we become beneficiaries of this. Communion is where Jesus dies and, and then he's resurrected. And because of that, because of the atoning sacrifice that he made for us, he's saying, listen, this love that I have that I'm pouring out on you, it's for you too. You're part of the story now. You're part of the idea. The very nature of God is love. And we are invited into that through the acceptance of his sacrifice that he made for us. And so as we take communion tonight, I want us to really, really, really focus on the love that's made available to us through the coming of Christ, through the baby in a manger, through the stories of the gospels, through the sacrifice that he made on the cross for us. That love is made available to us, that we can accept it and we can also reflect it. 
And so we're gonna sing this song, one of my favorite songs we sing around here that's called King of My Heart um, as we take communion. But if you need to do business with God tonight, if you're sitting here and you're saying, man, I need to, yeah, hmm, yeah, what he said. Mm -hmm. I need to do business with God tonight. If you need to accept this cosmic love that's made available to you, if you need to receive that tonight, then it's a simple conversation. You simply say, hey, God, I'm into that. I want in. Let's do this. It's a very, very simple conversation. There's no elaborate words or, or formulas that you have to follow. It's simply saying, God, I want that love. And it's a conversation that takes place like that. But let me tell you, it's a process and it's a journey that's gonna last your entire lifetime. It's called working out your salvation. And it's a journey. And it's not gonna be rainbows and butterflies your whole time. Forewarning, spoiler alert, right? It's not the way it works. But this love is made available to you. So if you're in here tonight and you need to accept that, I wanna give you a space and a time to do that. If you're in here tonight and you might need to do business with mankind, right? Maybe you need to do business with God. You need to say, God, I need to accept that. Or God, I've accepted it. You need to help me to reflect that. I need to grow in my capacity to love others because I ain't there yet, right? Maybe that's the business you need to do is business with God. But maybe you're in here tonight and you need to do business with people. And before you come up here and take communion or before you leave this space, you might need to get your phone out and get your thumbs working. Hey man, haven't talked to you in a couple years. I know things are rough between us, but I'm sorry for whatever part I've played in this and I love you. And maybe these bitter rifts and these separations and these, these broken relationships need to end tonight. They need to end while we focus and reflect on the love that God has for us. And not only that, but the love that we need to be showing others and the grace and the forgiveness and the acceptance that we need to show others as well. And so maybe you need to do business with some people in your life. And so we want to carve out a space for you to do that tonight. If you need to realign your perspective, your life, your goals, the way you measure, the way you're doing life, you know, because of your inclusion and participation in this cosmic love, we want to give you an opportunity to do that as well. If you say, man, I've been, I've been measuring it wrong. I thought if I stay busy for Jesus, I thought if I do this, I thought if I do that, when really he's saying, guys, I'm love. Love comes from me. Love everybody. Love on one another. Maybe you need to do business with yourself. So if you're in here tonight, you need to do business with God. If you need to do business with others or you need to do business with yourself, we want to give you the time to do that. So they're going to lead us in two songs and we're going to have communion available. It's kind of come as you are, serve yourself. You take a piece of bread, dip it in the juice. It's between you and God. A communion verse will be up on the screen and it'll kind of explain, you know, how Jesus talked the disciples through this and, and said, hey, listen, here's what you're doing. You're doing this in remembrance of me. And so when you do it in remembrance of Jesus tonight, do it in remembrance that he brought love to us and that he included us in that love that we can accept and reflect. And so we've intentionally carved out some space here for you to meet with God tonight before we go back to our families and the presence and the traditions and all of that. Let's take these next few moments to get serious about doing some serious business with God, with others, and with ourselves. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this evening. I thank you for sending your son to this earth to include us in this cosmic love. God, I pray tonight that if we're in here dealing with, with, with the acceptance of love or the reflection of love, that you would send your Holy Spirit to guide us through this. 
through this conversation. God, if we're in here tonight and we need to forgive somebody or we need to ask for forgiveness, I pray that you would give us the strength and the wisdom and the courage to do so. God, if we're in here this morning and we're looking at ourselves saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. God, I pray that you give the wisdom to see and to be introspective, but also the strength and the courage to carry it through. God, we love you and we praise you and we adore you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, challenged you, and that you experience true life change. Make sure you head over to iTunes to rate, review, and subscribe. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc.